The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willette. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi, everybody. How you doing? And thanks for coming back to another episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. This week will be an interview episode. I sat down with New Zealand piercer Eden Thompson to talk about a bunch of different things. Eden is a a really solid body piercer um, out of Absolution in Christchurch, New Zealand, but is also a really prolific suspension practitioner. So we talk a lot about those different things. I uh, intended to interview Eden at BMXNet in Berlin, but we were both just too busy that weekend. So luckily, we were both also at the AUPP conference in Sydney, Australia a few weeks ago. So we sat down, we talk about a lot of different things, uh, suspension and and how to gain access to it. Um, Do piercers make the best suspension practitioners or is it something where, you know, someone just kind of outside of that traditional body art practitioner sphere um, can join a suspension team, can contribute, can become uh, really skilled at it. So we talk a lot about those different things, suspension and access and, and growth. And the conversation inevitably comes around to BME zine. Eden is, again, one of those BME people. And if you're not a BME person, it's really difficult to fully articulate uh, what it means when you actually get to uh, interact with another BME person in reality, because it's, uh, it's it's a short list that grows a little bit shorter every year. And uh, I I definitely am nostalgic for those days, if you hadn't guessed. So we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I've got a little bit of information for you. I'm going to be doing a new live in-person seminar in Dallas, Texas on Sunday, January 28th, 2024. Registration is open now. You can go to my website at ryanpba.com to get all the info to get signed up. This will be open to professional piercers of all skill and experience levels, but you do have to be a professional working within a studio environment, either as an apprentice or as a body piercing practitioner, and I'll need you to verify that for me, but I can be pretty flexible on my verification. So uh, even if you're uh, in between studios right now, as long as you do have professional experience and you can verify that, I would love to have you out at that seminar Sunday, January 28th in Dallas, Texas. Again, you can get all the info at ryanpba.com. While you're there, you can link through to my Patreon page. I just posted a new video about surface piercings. I show a really nice example there. And before the end of 2023, uh, I'm working really hard to get two new videos done and published during the month of December. Usually I only publish one video a month, but I'm really trying my best to get a second video out there. It's kind of like a year-end bonus just to say thanks for everybody's support. So I know I'm working on a nostril piercing video. This will be a follow-up to my previous one. I showed a video um, giving examples of inside-out nostrils, and some people kind of find it as a a little bit more of a challenging technique. So I'm going to make a follow-up video showing a slightly more traditional method of piercing from the outside into a receiving tube and some other different, uh, you know, methodology. I'd like to show you tips and tricks and all that. So... Look for that coming out in uh, December, and then before the end of the year, I'm also working on a genital piercing video, but I haven't exactly decided which one yet. It might potentially be the Hafadravia, uh, which was a, a really neat variation. So I'll be back a little bit more after the interview, but let's go ahead and get into it with Eden Thompson. 
So my name is Eden Thompson and I am a professional body piercer in Christchurch, New Zealand, working out of Absolution Studio. Uh, I've been there for nearly 17 years. It's the only studio I've worked at, it's where I came up from. And I also do body suspension as well. And my page for that is Immersive Environments. Uh, and my personal uh, Instagram also is Edelbugs and I keep all my piercing stuff there. Uh, yeah. I kind yeah. of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of see you as one of the BME people, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, there, there, there are not a, a ton of them left that are still active in the industry. So, yeah. whenever I, I stumble across one of the BME people, I really like to sit down, have a conversation, catch up, and all that stuff because I think the influences from BME, uh, they're still really valuable to today's industry, even if yeah. the, the website is defunct and yeah. um, if the, the founders are, are gone now. Mm. Um, it's still important that we can kind of share our experiences and stuff because I think that that, that BME vibe of experimentation and it's like it's okay to experiment, it's mm. okay to make mistakes. I think sometimes that feels like it's being squeezed out of the industry. I'm not yeah. crazy about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had this conversation with Mick actually uh, today about, look, because we, we had some great conversations about this very thing last night. We're all sharing all the stories that we have from back in the day and just how a lot of these new pieces that are even at this conference now aren't going to have any of these stories. Yeah. And a lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them are, you know, sort of one to five year pieces don't have this history at all so sharing these stories is amazing and fun and was a good laugh <laughs> i especially yeah. like sharing the um this is how i screwed up and this is how yeah. i recovered from it stories yeah like yeah. in on the panel just saying like some of the the, the dumb shit things that i did when i was a, a teenage piercer in the 90s and mm. hearing Luis's experiences and brian's experiences talking yeah. about that stuff and then seeing the faces of people especially <laughs> as you said like the younger piercers yeah. who are like yeah there's probably so much pressure on a, on a younger newer piercer now yeah um because when you put your stuff online it gets judged so harshly and so critically mm. um, that I think some people are nervous to to contribute and to feel like they're just as important to the, the community as everybody else. Yeah. They're very yeah. like guarded and they, mm. they don't want to admit that they screw up too. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah in this day and age as well with yeah, you're right, judgment and how quickly people are to, to judge on people and the work that they put up. People are a lot more mindful of what they put up and how they put up. But like yourself, myself, Mac, all of us with our stories were like, we've done some dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like you have, to, you have to admit it, you have to confront it, and you mm -hmm, have to mm -hmm. like be willing to, to, to work with it and move forward because mm -hmm. if you try to pretend like there's a world where everybody yeah. is or everybody can be perfect, yeah. you're never really going to, to grow if you're not mm -hmm. willing to talk to people about, I struggle with this, mm -hmm. or hey, I really like how you do that, can you explain it to me? Yeah. Without that aspect of it, like it's it's very challenging to, to grow. There's nothing more validating or relieving is probably a better word than sitting down with someone that you've looked up to for a long time to find out they're human. Right. Like nothing better. I think I found a lot of that at APP in, in Vegas where you're like, ah, oh, actually just normal, just like me. And then you're like, yeah, feeling feeling a lot better, a lot more confident in your abilities. And right. you're like, ah, oh, good, you you fuck up as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've learned a lot because there are those scenarios where maybe you don't talk about it online, but you know, you know, you have those 
those little things that you fall back on where it's like, oh, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. Like septum piercing is a great example of it. I think yeah. every piercer will have their frustration points with septum piercings. Yeah. And I've gotten a lot stronger in my septum piercing abilities by having the conversations with someone. Be mm -hmm. like, well, you know, what do you, I, all the septums you post are perfect. And they're like, well, yeah, I'm not going to post the ones that are <laughs> diagonal, but they, they happen. And then this is how I yeah. do better ones. And like yeah. that, that has made a world of difference yeah. for, for me. Yeah. I've been having lots of conversations with some of the New Zealand piercers and I feel like every story starts with, oh, so I fucked this up last week yeah. or the week before or whatever. But it's good to feel, I guess, safe in those, those conversations where we are human mm -hmm. and it is helpful for, I mean, it's helpful for me. I'm sure it's helpful for others to, to learn that oh, you know it's okay to make mistakes but it's all in how and how we deal with it and how we recover I think yeah is what makes us good piercers yeah yeah so you know being a, a good piercer but also being someone who's um, a really important part of the suspension community uh, where do those where do those two meet because like I, I wouldn't consider myself part of the suspension mm. community mm. adjacent I've seen it from afar I've never mm -hmm participated in a suspension but I've yeah. been at events and I've seen it happen and yeah um, do you feel like it's kind of all one big team or is it kind of it there's separate communities that have kind of that Venn diagram crossover I I would probably say the latter I would say probably more a Venn diagram yeah crossover for sure um, yeah yeah definitely I think the suspension community I think I mean even Oh, early days for me, I was a hundred percent. If you're not a piercer, you can't do suspension. Yeah. You know, like because that's just how I was brought into it and how I was brought up with it. But certainly nowadays, that's not the case at all. And there's a lot of people with a lot of really good skill sets that they bring to the table. So I definitely think probably adjacent to each other. Yeah, yeah there are a lot of piercers that are practitioners, but I definitely think some of the Sometimes some of the better practitioners are the ones that are not in this industry, yeah. <laughs> and they've got they've got some really good good fresh eyes to bring to things. So, yeah. Mm. Do you feel like it's because you can kind of stretch yourself thin if you focus on too many disciplines, or do you feel like it's people should just work to their strengths, and sometimes those strengths mm. include suspension skills? Yeah, like I don't, oh, I'm not too sure. Like, um, yeah, I I think my approach might be a little different to most in how I view suspension and how it is many different skill sets and how sometimes it's okay to not be good at all aspects of it. You know, sometimes you might, you know, be good at throwing hooks, sometimes you might be good at working on the rigging above the rig, you know, but I think a lot of people think you have to be all of it at once, where that's not entirely the case. Mm -hmm. Of course it's good, but I feel like sometimes maybe, you know, Jack of all trades, master of none. So you, you, you've got to be careful with it. Like, I'm just so gosh darn passionate about it that I just nerd out about every aspect. And it's, I think, I don't want to say it's easier for me in the sense of piercing as my career. So that is muscle memory a lot of the time for me. Whereas now I've branched out so much more with a lot more rigging skill um, than ever before. So I'm a little bit biased about it, I, I guess, and my my model for it is, might be a bit different to others um, from what I've seen, at least, anyway. Yeah, like I, I feel like I, I've, I have a certain level of skill as a body piercer, but I think that if someone threw me into a suspension environment where they're like, oh, do you want to throw on some gloves and help? I'd be like, no. I, <laughs> I feel like I would be a liability. Like I, I might know how to push a needle, but yeah. not not the way that it's done for suspension. I certainly mm. have absolutely no knowledge base for mm. 
rope work and rigging and, and all yeah. of that stuff that I see mm. is super impressive. Yeah, I think, yeah, just in saying that, I think that's a good point. It's like being a being a piercer doesn't automatically mean you you are good at suspension. And now that I think about it, the more I think about it actually, yeah, definitely adjacent. I don't think there's, yeah, I think there is a little crossover just because that's the way it has been. But I know a lot of, yeah, amazing practitioners that throw really good hooks and are really great with their piercing that are not piercers. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can be taught, a skill that can be taught and honed in. Sometimes piercers make the, the worst hook throwers mm -hmm. <laughs> because of some of the, the ways they were brought up and their um, habits, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you see, like, do you see people that are fresh into it, that are piercers, and like the way they're piercing is just, I don't know how to, de how to describe it, like mm. too nerdy, too like yeah. micro-focused. Oh. Mm. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've, I've worked with a lot of people, I've helped a lot of people, I've mentored a lot of people, and absolutely 100%. Um, without, um, I guess, breaking it down too far, like, yeah, definitely there's that over-analytical brain of people that you see and you're like, no, 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 this is not what we're doing here. Like, this is, these are the, the skills here that we learn, you know, like, and yeah, the way people are doing it is definitely they're completely over-analyzing it and just through no intention or anything or fault, it's, it's just not what you need to do here. We're not you know it's not a precision thing where we're looking to heal here for the next 12 months mm -hmm. uh this is a hook that needs to be thrown at a good depth yeah but we distribute don't, the weight and all yeah, that yeah. but we don't need to sit here for 10 minutes figuring it out i'm like yeah no no we're, probably we're, not a lot of conversations about bevel theory and things like no. that well there, there what there used to be years ago there was the whole i know christiana from pinpoint i know she did a lot of uh her and hover back in the day did a lot of testing quote unquote with bevel up bevel down what's going to be better and i mean there's no difference mm. there's nothing i mean i've started to to flatten some needles just to get rid of that, that little kick at the end but other than that yeah we're not you know as long as it's at a good depth you know and we're not burying the hook you know yeah. i think i think we're we're doing pretty good do you mm. have a, maybe advice for anybody who because i talk to a lot of people whether they're in the industry or whether they're uh, clients and they say like oh i would i would love to get a suspension or participate in, in suspension work and I just don't know how to start or how to contact a team. Do you have any suggestions for those people? Um, it's a little bit harder for me because I'm so isolated. So, but I mean, I guess the, the advice um, is pretty general across the board, but definitely attend a meet uh, if you can. Uh, like I've made a, a body suspension practitioner map, for example, where I've have people contact me that want to go on this map so people have somewhat of an idea where they could go um, and definitely ask for referrals you know we can do that also. Is that like international or yeah, is that international. New Zealand specific? Okay, no, great. well I'm the only one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Short so, list. Yeah, it's pretty short. Um, yeah so yeah international yeah so it helps people uh, find a team and definitely just uh, attend things first like um, makes it a lot easier I think that kind of similar I guess when we're talking about apprenticeships you know get familiar with the place mm. you know you know become, yeah, you, don't, you don't just cold call a shop and be yeah. like can I apprentice there yeah exactly you know I definitely encourage people to show up to events if, if that's allowed yeah. uh, some people are private events and what have you but it will also change your perspective on things usually for the better as well the amount of people that are like oh no not for me but as soon as they just come and watch something it completely blows their mind 
at, I guess, how much more, I don't know, cathartic, professional, all of the above it is. I think most people just expect a, a blood show. I don't, mm. I don't know. But I think, mm. I think a lot of people, they, their first exposure to suspension is that like, club performance kind yes. of thing the shock yes. value suspension yeah and the the events that i've been at it's a totally mm. different yeah. thing it's it's energy and yeah community and passion yeah, yeah. and that's i just got goosebumps then actually like that's where my passion lies is in the artistic presentation of it like yeah you know the club scene and that has its place and whatever and i've definitely done that in the past but my interest solely lies now i think more on creating really artistic pieces that are for everyone mm -hmm. do you know like a lot of people that thought they'd never be interested and i'm not saying people are going to want to suspend after they watch it but appreciate it mm -hmm. i think is probably more, more yeah. the point here less of a freak show aspect yeah. yeah and just more of a let's appreciate the beauty and what's created here mm -hmm. sometimes even more so with the work i'm doing of late or the last couple of years is more the the body is is not even the main focal point anymore. It's like the body is sort of a byproduct of mm -hmm. the art art we're creating here. We just so happen to use a hanging body as part of the medium. Yeah, um, which gets me quite excited. Some of the some mm. of the cooler stuff that I've I've been fortunate enough to witness. I went to the I don't remember the year, but the the Oslo Suspension Symposium where 2012 they, where they had Stellark yeah. mm -hmm. uh, in the the performance, yeah. and it was just like it was incredible yeah. seeing it. Yeah, and, and just yeah, it was it, it's art. Uh, that's centered around hanging bodies, but yeah. it's it's definitely an, an art performance. It's oh, so amazing. I love. There's so much good stuff out of Europe as well. Like that's, I think where my heart lies is mm -hmm. as European teams and and what's coming out of there. Like uh, yeah, mm. huge passion for that. So that that suspension directory. Where would people find that online? Uh, it's on the body suspension um, Facebook page, which is public. Um, so yeah, anyone can be on there. I think you have to send a request through, but usually it gets put through. There's no real requirements. Yeah, so I've just got it there for people to, to look at if they need to. Mm. So you being from New Zealand and we're currently in, in Sydney, Australia, mm. uh, what's it like having a, a proper like piercing organization for this, this region, this, this like local community? Like how's it been for you? Uh, really, really good. Um, it's been, I think attainable is the best words that I can use here because it's attainable for a lot of people that may have thought this was sort of out of reach for people. So it's, it's amazing. I think it's great, especially in a country like New Zealand where it's so isolated. You know, Vegas is great. But there's only you know three or four I forget off the top of me three or four APP members in the whole country, um, and of that only you know few of us have been to conference. It's expensive, you know. Yeah. So having something here and having having a um, a conference for for people to join has been has been really special actually to see, and for a first event as well. Um, I'm very impressed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very, very I am impressed. Too. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's been good. And just seeing the turnout from people I didn't think would be coming here at all has been amazing. Yeah. So I think having the AUPP since its inception, um, I can't actually remember. I think I was on the founding board of it, but now I can't remember and I'm like, did I make that up? <laughs> but um I remember Joel kicking the idea around with me back in the in the early days of it. So it's it's I'm glad to see 
where it's come um, and how far it's come as well. Yeah, yeah. You were mentioning how expensive it is to to fly to the states, like mm. something like two grand or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. going to be not even a possibility for I think a lot of piercers. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's very um, prohibitive. Um, I think in total it was about seven thousand. Um, New Zealand dollars. Wow. Like think. if you include hotel, yeah, and the yeah. conference itself, and yeah. everything. You can you can do it a little bit cheaply, but I tell you what, Vegas is expensive. Now, a lot of people warned me of this, but I'm from New Zealand, like that. I know what expensive is, you know. But this was really expensive. Like this was over and above. So that was probably the biggest shock I had of all. Was it wasn't just American expensive. It was actually globally expensive as yeah. hell. So, yeah. Um, you know, so you can do it a little bit cheaply, but not much. Mm -hmm. Like not. I, I wasn't flashing money everywhere at all by any means like in fact i remember saying i was two days in i was like i don't know if i've brought enough money yeah. and i brought enough i've brought a lot of money but i was like have i bought enough like <laughs> have i bought vegas money like yeah, yeah. and like the, there there unfortunately is that financial barrier for international attendees because it's like you don't want to uh, you don't want to show up broke because yeah. you want to be able to participate in mm. social activity, but you also have such an opportunity with like things like the expo yeah. to bring home jewelry that you might not have regular access to, or that just, yeah. you know, it can be difficult to get stuff shipped in sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's one thing I didn't actually really prioritize, um, was the expo floor, uh, initially. And then by the time I sort of did get there, I mean, everything was gone. Yeah. That's a big <laughs> I learned, problem for, I think, everybody. Yeah. I learned, I learned, even though I'm an APP member, I had early access. I was like, I'm not going to prioritize that right now. Um, but yeah, by the time I had got on there, everything was gone. I think some, some, <laughs> some vendors are doing better now where they're not putting out everything on the table the first second. Yeah. Or if they are putting everything out there, they have, a whole bunch of extra back stock for day mm. two and day three because yeah. I've, I've been there on those years where you walk in in the first five minutes displays are empty yeah. or everything has already been taken by like a mega shop or something like yeah. that and you're just like well yeah. how am i a mere mortal <laughs> supposed to actually buy jewelry at these things yeah yeah, yeah. no i feel that yeah so do you have do you have like you know your australian fellows colleagues peers that like you get to connect with here that you don't normally get to to see the rest of the year? Yeah, actually, um, just like Vegas, here is the first time meeting a lot of these pieces that I've been following for years, that we've been friends and colleagues, peers for years. Um, and yeah, this is the first time being able to meet everyone. It's been great. And uh, just clicking with everyone has been super, super amazing as yeah. well. So you feel like you've known people for, well, you have known them for years, but seeing them for the first time is, is really cool. I don't know if you have mm. the same issue that I have, like I have, a million Facebook and Instagram friends, but the stuff that comes up on their feed is like their life or their work and not always their face. Yeah. So yeah, a lot yeah, of times yeah. I have to do that like quick, like glance at the name tag and be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you, you're this person. You know, yeah. we've interacted a bunch of times, but I've just never seen your face before. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I'm not quite as popular, but um, there, yeah, there have been certain double takes where people start talking at you and you're like, oh, we're talking like I know you a lot better than maybe what I'm remembering. And then, yeah, quick glance at the badge and you're like, oh, you're so-and-so. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so, what, what do you think of the the conference and the classes? Do you have anything that's like stood out for you? Um, I think the the tech has been great. Like yeah. that's been super cool. Right. Um, I quite like as tiring as it is, but still, you know, oh well. Like having 
back-to-back -back classes has been quite good, so you're not having to choose um, what to go at, you know, because they're not running at the same time. So I think that's been quite good. And just the overall quality of the class, I think it's been really great. Like, legit, yeah. really good. Because yeah. a lot of these people are first-time speakers as well. So I think I sort of said to a couple of people, like, you can definitely tell people that can speak. Mm -hmm. um, and being a good piercer of 30 years doesn't mean you're a good speaker. No. Those are two very, very different skill sets. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone's done really great, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's been, the quality of, of the the um, education has been really good. Yeah, just before mm -hmm. we recorded, um, I, I sat in on, on Cherry's class yeah. about studio improvement. Yeah. And like, number one, she has an amazing looking studio. Yes, it looks great. So slick. Yeah. I, I like when people who have amazing studios, they, they put something up and then they're immediately like, yeah, I don't like this and I want to update it and be like, oh my God, that's better than like most studios that I've, yeah. I've seen. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can tell that like people haven't done a ton of public speaking, but they've put a lot of thought and care into like their, mm. their class. Yeah. Because like sometimes you see the bad classes where people, they try to go up there and just kind of um, coast on their, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, charm. Yeah. Basically, you know, they try to coast through on their, their charm and it's like they, they run out of things to say in five mm -hmm. minutes or 10 minutes. But you yeah. can see the instructors here where it's like they have so much to say and so much mm. that they want to share mm. uh, with the community. And I, I'm really enjoying seeing these first time instructors and like, you know, this fresh batch of classes because mm. with Vegas, I see a lot of the, the, the same instructors and a lot of the same subjects because yeah. they're, they're important things that you want to have more than once. But I always love coming to a conference and seeing like the fresh takes from like the, the local community. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Cherry's class was great. And that's why I asked what she was changing. Because she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. change all this. And I was like, what are you changing? Like, right. I'm quite curious as to what was going on. But yeah. no, it was it was nice, yeah. But it also shows that, that whole, like, never stop learning, never stop growing mentality. Because even if you have a studio that's that gorgeous, that's that well thought out already, like, you can mm. always see the things that you want to improve. Like, yeah. I'm sure in your studio and in, in yeah. my studio as well, like, <laughs> yeah. you put a ton of thought into it over the years, but you can look at things and be like, oh, that drives me nuts. I want to yeah. update that and I want to upgrade that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, that's always the case, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you see yourself maybe trying to, like, pitch classes to instruct in the future? Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. I've got a couple in mind, actually, that I'd like to do. Um, which I'll definitely pitch for next year, um, depending on where the location is, because I think the location's going to change each year. Yeah. Um, but I think it's still within Australia, so still, mm -hmm. um, you know, easy enough to get to. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you have a good sense of of like are people centrally located on the coasts, or is it kind of like people are well dispersed throughout the whole country? I, I think I don't know much about Australia. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I know a lot about the major cities, but I forget how big it is. Yeah. So it's it's huge. Yeah. Like uh, I was talking to someone, and they were like, they came from Perth. And I forget that Perth is further away to Sydney than I am from Sydney because normally I'm always the one that's travelled the furthest wherever I am. I'm like, yeah, I came the furthest, but they were it was four and a half hours, I think, for their flight, which is longer than mine. So, yeah, um, yeah I think it's all over, like from what I've seen. But again, not huge on the geography. Like I've sure. got family that live here, and I forget where they live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, I'm pretty sure it's from all over. Yeah. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to be able to move a conference around then because. Mm. Vegas, um, love it or hate it, it's, it's, <laughs> that's where the APP conference is going to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Something like that, like a conference that large, that kind of a beast, you have to sign multi-year contracts with yeah. venues and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. But 
if you have the flexibility to move around and maybe try to draw in parts of the community that might not be able to travel as far, I think that's mm. a fantastic idea. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Yeah, there's yeah talks of moving it around a little bit. Obviously, nothing confirmed or anything yet, but I think um, again being quite close it's attainable for a lot of people that normally wouldn't be able to get to something like this so yeah that's really great yeah yeah everybody just seems really cool here um I, i've always wanted to to come to australia and um mm. i it's not that i go into these things with a certain expectation um i didn't really know what to expect from this conference but i'll, I'll say that if i had expectations it would have greatly exceeded them because yeah. everything seems like clockwork it seems so well planned so well thought out mm. the venue like you said the tech stuff like that's that's always like make or break because i've been to conferences where people have to fumble over the tech mm. every class runs 15 minutes late because people have tech issues all that yeah. stuff even in vegas even even something that's that's been around for that many years tech stuff can like make a class live or die yeah yeah absolutely no that's been really smooth running yeah, yeah. it's been good um so how has just like sydney in general been for you i remember we were talking the other day and you said that one of your favorite bands was just coincidentally playing here <laughs> while you were in town yeah uh completely by chance yeah i just looked up see that war paint were playing um just up the road so yeah that was really cool uh, I haven't got out much. I went down to Darling Harbour. I've been here before a couple of times, but not since I was a child, so not as an adult. Um, but I think I might do some stuff on Friday because I've got your seminar tomorrow, and this has just been running, you know, morning to night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'll probably check out a few of the um, touristy things maybe on Friday. I fly back Friday night, so. Yeah, I want to go yeah. to the zoo. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've never, I, I was debating the aquarium or the zoo, yeah. but like there's a really solid aquarium in Boston. I've been to aquariums, but I've never seen a koala up close. <laughs> I've, so. I've held a koala. Yeah. And let me tell you, they look so cute in photos. Me and my wife actually laugh about this. They look so cute, but they are stinky and they are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> But it's still worth still worth absolutely seeing. But are they yeah. soft or are they bristly? They're, they are the the fur is soft, but that's that they're, they're weighty. Mm. They're, I'm just like oh little cute wee beer thing, and you're like no not not a, you know. yeah yeah. I think um, so. Certain animals have uh, certain uh, diseases pathogens that are very inherent. Like yeah. in the U.S., uh, I think it's. Armadillos or aardvarks have um, leprosy, but I remember reading something about koalas having chlamydia. Like it's very common for koalas to have chlamydia, and it's like, okay, all right. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure, but now question everything I did as a child. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm not too sure, but be safe, I guess. Okay. Um, so tell me about what the piercing scene is, is, is like in New Zealand. Is it something where uh you get the people that are coming in for like the instagram cool stuff the itty bitty gold is it mm. more like 90s style like heavy chunky stuff like what are people asking for so that, that's actually interesting because um i'm here with uh well not here with but meeting up with a couple of other new zealand pieces um and it seems to be a bit different depending on the area as well maybe a little bit and i guess you know some pieces put out what they want to get in so uh, depending like when I first started like most you know it was heavy gauge stupid ideas mm -hmm. lots of ridiculous things yeah. all steel all high polish you know um, but our demographic has certainly changed with us as we've changed over the years like we're you know definitely a lot more demographic is you know the itty bitty gold you know and which suits me 
fine, not just gold, but more delicate, conservative, excuse me, conservative clients, uh, which I'm all for, you know. Um, we don't really do much of that sort of chonky 90s stuff at all, but in fairness, I don't ever put much of that out there. Yeah. So people, like, I, I guess I say that because when I first started, we were known for that, yeah. you know, so people are coming to Absolution because, you know, they do all the weird stuff. You know, but now uh, we don't <laughs> really at all. Um, some more advanced stuff than most studios, but not really. Like I can count on probably one hand how much you know surface work's coming in in a year or or whatever. But certainly, you know, and everyone's all like, oh, "I'm just here for a basic ear piercing." I'm like, "That's that's what we do, though." You know, um, but I know a couple of other piercers up north they favour sometimes a little bit more of that '90s look. Um, but yeah, we just don't really get requests for it, mm. really. Yeah, just with our our current demographic, I think, um, which is totally fine and works good. Yeah, I, mm. I think a lot of studios, like you know, you said you've been an active piercer for seventeen years or so, and um, I think piercers who have been in it for more than ten years, fifteen years or something, they mm. kind of started in one generation of what people were asking for and then they've seen the evolution of what people ask for and it's like mm -hmm. you don't want to you don't want to ignore that you want to be able to like service the people that are coming in and, and, and paying the bills but yeah. sometimes I, I feel like I, I miss that older style but sometimes I realize that like if that's all I was doing now my shop wouldn't be able to stay in business because yeah. um, there's not there's not a lot of, of money in that stuff like for better or worse I think the industry is kind of tied now to um, having higher priced jewelry, not mm. not just for the sake of it being higher priced, but the better quality comes yeah. with a, a higher price tag. And yeah. people are so focused now and they, they're so well educated of the importance of the high quality jewelry. Mm -hmm. there, there is the fashion aspect of it where a lot of um, people who might not have seen themselves as a, a piercing person, a piercing fan, mm. They might not even see what they're asking for as the same kind of thing because they're seeing it as, as fashion and yeah. you know, I want something delicate and, and conservative in my ear. And like mm -hmm. I, I love it. I think that if like 21-year-old Ryan had a conversation with 44-year-old Ryan, we would both look at each other like we were nuts. And it's like, well, that's yeah. what you're doing because this is what I want to be doing. And it's like, well... Yeah. I, I need to be able to pay my bills with the yeah. way the shop has grown and the staff has grown and all that stuff, and that's that's where the money is today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I had a convo actually with one of the pierces just uh, yesterday, maybe, about the margins on this is what pays the bills, you know, like, and it is better quality um, and a lot higher quality items that we're selling now compared to the, those limitations, I guess. You know, there's only so many high polished barbells you can, you know, yeah. pay your bills with. You yeah. Know? So mm. I think I see it start to come back around a little bit, though, because um, if when when I started piercing, if uh, body piercing, a big draw to that was like sort of punk rock, sort of counterculture, sort mm -hmm. of like you know, I want to look intense. Yeah. Whether it was like something huge or not, but like you know, part of it was like they wanted they wanted to look different. Um, and now if like the trend is like, you know, I want to kind of like fit into like a fashion scene, I think that it's starting to come back a little bit more where it's like, I want to look different. Yeah. What can we do that's different? Mm. And some of that stuff that was really like hot, uh, 10 or, or 20 years ago is coming back around again. Yeah. And it's cool to see those trends mm. and it's like double cool to be an experience, uh, an experienced piercer who's gone through some of those previous yeah. trends yeah. and just have it ready and be like, yeah, I would love to do 
this cool industrial mm. project or yeah. yes I would love to do like a heavy gauge this or that or whatever so it's it's cool to see those trends come back around again yeah you're right actually in saying that because sometimes what used to be you know the everyday back in you know those early days and when it does come back around you are experienced with it and it is a little bit mm. that's right yeah I remember doing these things yeah it's like this is cool yeah. mm. like I like not to knock anybody because like they for a long point like I was the the newer piercer so I would try to like reach out and, and get as much information as I could to more experienced people about like, well, how are you doing this? And how are you doing that? Mm -hmm. And now some of the questions I get, I would think that it would be like, well, how are you doing earlobes and nostrils, the stuff that we're doing every day? But it's not, mm -hmm. it's like, how do you do a labret piercing? And it's yeah. like, oh, that's like the easiest <laughs> thing in the, the world. I, I've done thousands of them, but it's like, mm -hmm. nobody asks for labret piercings these days. Yeah, yeah. Tongue piercings, they're just mm -hmm. not popular where I am anyway. So mm -hmm. now I get to kind of, talk about something and share my experience which is ample but I don't really have that many opportunities to perform those those piercings anymore that I used to see as ultra commonplace yeah yeah that's actually interesting as well because I'm the same you know especially if you're not asked for something for so long and then it starts popping back up and people are asking about it you know you forget that this is all I used to do <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah um, industrials had kind of like their their resurgence and mm. um, I posted a picture of an industrial with two orbital piercings around it that I did forever oh, ago. I saw that. Yeah, I remember. And yeah. it's gotten so much play yeah. online. And people <laughs> yeah. are like, oh my God, how do you do this? And it's just like, oh, let me talk to you about orbitals, my friend. You know, And, and I don't mean a conch piercing with a ring. I mean like an actual <laughs> proper orbital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that, was a good, that was a good photo. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, what would you what would you want to see maybe come back around again? Like what's something that you would you would find passion in that you don't really get asked to do that often these days? I would like to do more genital work. That used to be um, when I first, like I don't offer it a lot now just because I don't get asked about it a lot. And you know, it's one of those things, you know, the skill set starts to get a little dusty. You become a little, a little bit more nervous about these sort of things. But um, like it used to be super popular when, you know, when I first started, we used to get a big part of the gay leather scene in at the shop but I think as the demographics changed over the years so is that mm -hmm. so it's just something I don't really get asked about but I do like doing but it's hard you know like I like doing it but you like doing it more when you do it mm -hmm. do you know it's like it's really hard to be really enthusiastic about a piercing you do once a year yeah do you know but yeah. I want to do more yeah. so um yeah I would like to see more genital work but I think I need to maybe um hone in that skill set a bit better so I can maybe push that a bit more because you know you're not going to be pushing you know piercings that I'm not very confident in yeah. um to the forefront of everyone uh but that's something I, I quite enjoy doing when I just remember doing so much of it um, not well, <laughs> but up and coming in my up and coming years. But I think just with the certain techniques I have with things now, I'd love to apply that just more often. Yeah, I think I think that'd be yeah, that'd be nice. I think mm. another issue because I've had points on the podcast and personally, professionally, where I've kind of been like, oh, you know, kids these days need to be working on genital piercing and promoting genital mm. piercing, and it's like I know it's not for everybody, and it's especially not for every client. Um, but I, I think like what I'm, what I'm trying to see for a, a wider perspective is the jewelry aspect of it because I think for someone who's been active as long as you have, been active as long as I have or others, you might have that, that drawer of genital stuff waiting and ready for somebody. Yeah. But I think some other piercers, they might not have any of the jewelry and they might not really know where to start. Like where's a good place to 
invest or what sizes should I get? And it's like, who knows what I might actually be asked for. So it's mm. this double-edged sword of like, maybe you guess on jewelry, but then somebody comes in and it's like, but that's not the perfect fit jewelry. Yeah. And then yeah. it turns into this thing where it's like, I would love to offer it, but I'm not ready with jewelry or I have jewelry and it's not the exact thing I need for your piercing. So mm. I know it can be really challenging for people to either bring something back that's been mm. partially retired or partially put on a shelf um, or to maybe just re you know introduce something for the, the first time. I think mm. that can be tough too. I've got loads of stuff yeah. Just sitting in a drawer waiting mm. for the right person, though. Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah we're the same because we don't have, we don't get asked about it much. We don't keep much. Right. So, you know, PAs, we get, you know, fair amount in and um, some vulva piercings, hood piercings generally, which we can Frankenstein up with, you know, curved barbells, balls, and gem tops. Mm -hmm. So that's easy enough to not just have to have for that. Yeah. You can have it for, you know, whatever. Um, but we keep a little bit of PA jewelry, but anything else, you know, like, so it just sits there, do you know? So you know what I got yeah. asked for just before I left for this trip? I got to do a half a dravia. Oh, wow. Which I've yeah. never, ever done in my career. Yeah. For, for the people listening who don't know, understand what that is, you know, an, an apodravia would be a vertical piercing through the head of the penis. So mm -hmm. basically the, the lower point would be about where a PA would be and then just straight up through the urethra, through the head of the penis. Um, and you, you would use a pretty long barbell for that. Mm -hmm. So some people might not have that kind of jewelry in stock. I had somebody book in and they put in their notes, like I want an Apodravia piercing, do you have the jewelry in stock? And I checked and I was like, yeah, I have a, a pretty decent variety, but mm. that's kind of a luxury that some piercers might not have. It's like, I haven't seen the person's anatomy yet. I don't yeah. know if they need size this through that or whatever. Mm. Luckily I did have it, but mm. then there was also that wild card of they had a sub incision. Yeah, oh. And, yeah, and for, oh, for people right. listening, yeah. like mm. that would be basically imagine the whole of where a Prince Albert would be, but then you would have the skin cut, split basically on the underside, uh, forward to the, the, the tip of the penis so that the urethra is, is fully exposed. Now we're talking. Yeah, and I got to do that. So I, you know, I would call it a, a half a dravia, which is one of those BME terms where yeah. it was basically just the upper half of it, but I still needed the jewelry to, to kind of cover the full uh, length of the, the head, the width of the head. And it was just such a, such a rare variation mm. that I've never been able to do previously in a 25 year career. And I just mm. loved it. And I was just so happy for mm. myself that I had, I just dumb luck had the perfect fit jewelry ready to go. Yeah. But that might not be the case for a lot of people. Mm. Um, and it, it was, it was a really cool, it was a really fun variation to do. Yeah. That's, that sounds awesome. That takes me right back right back to portfolios remembering seeing so i remember seeing a nine mil punched uh ampelang on a three-quarter sub incision uh penis oh my lord yeah oh my lord indeed yeah because uh, he became this wasn't uh from our studio he was from it came from another studio because we did i don't even know what procedure we did on him um but yeah he came in and saw us and then so i got to see that and i'm like yeah, but not anymore. <laughs> no. well, so here's here's another thing. Speaking of like not anymore, um, just just the word you brought up, portfolio. Like yeah. you, you're of a generation. I'm of a generation where we actually had a physical yeah. portfolio and not just an Instagram page or, or a website. Yeah. Do you still have your old portfolios? I don't. Oh, no, what a shame. I I don't. Yeah, a real shame. We and saying that my boss keeps a lot of stuff about so it wouldn't surprise me if there was still an old portfolio kicking around however he has moved a couple of times so he may have gotten rid of it but I have seen one um, in the time we have been in social media kick back up again and go through it and I because I was talking about this 
uh, reminiscing with Rob and Mick last night um, about all the dumb things we've done. Um, one thing that I was very proud to have in my portfolio was uh, uvula pears. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'd done two of them. Oh. And I think I was maybe two years in, and I was like, I'm pretty much clock piercing now. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> just for my own fascination, can you give me like a brief walkthrough of how you performed it? Yeah, I did see this to Mick last night. So I had a headlamp on. What, what we used to get, oh, this is bad. What we used to get people to do is have um, throat numbing spray. So when, you've, when you're sick, sure. Deflam is the brand, and then it's got a light anesthetic in it. And what that does is just dull your gag reflex a little bit. Um, and it's surprisingly stretch, stretchy. That uvula will stretch, and it will come right out of the mouth. Yeah. So I didn't have to work so much inside the throat as I did. I could pull it out. And this was back in the, the cannula clamp days. So I um, clamped it and then pulled it right out, pierced it with a cannula, let it flick back into the throat while I pulled um, the cannula sleeve back out again and then put my external barbell in there mm -hmm. and then pulled the cannula off while it's still pulled out using the barbell as leverage to pull it out, wow. keep it out, then thread it on and just let go and it pings back into the throat. Wow. And it, just enough to get the photo, I, I think it fell out. Uh, I think the ball um, unscrewed and he swallowed it. Wow. <laughs> um, but I did too and yeah, I was pretty much king of piercing at that stage. Yeah, intense. <laughs> That's, that's one of those piercings where I'm sure there was a point in like baby piercer Ryan's career where it's like, man, I would love to do that. But also there's the, the grown-up piercer Ryan where it's like, I'm so glad I never did one of those. Uh, I would just be so, I would be so nervous. But I know yeah. that there was a point where like 21-year-old Ryan would have been like, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah there was definitely, I definitely had that mod star attitude like the first, I'd say probably two years. Um, of, of being an apprentice just because of the way you're taught so you're not sort of you know we weren't doing things great at all by any means so that's what you knew you know you knew that the, the, the more ridiculous and and I guess scary it is the, the badass the more badass extreme. you were extreme uh, is a word that doesn't get used yeah. very much these days yeah I, I tell you what I think I've got some MySpace photos um, of certain things I know Matt keeps photos of everything uh, there's a photo of um, me teaching him how to do cut. I don't know how to do cuttings <laughs> I'm teaching him how to do cuttings on me yeah. uh, in the studio so that's that's what we're talking about um, yeah yeah that's that's what we had back then it was Ridiculous. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a little bit of a pack rat when it comes to industry stuff, especially stuff from from my past, magazines and different mm -hmm. different things that I might have mm -hmm. been part of. Um, and I would just like to say it on the podcast for anybody who um, had a, a physical portfolio, please keep it, please mm -hmm. archive it. Like, don't ever make yourself think that it's worthless or that it's just garbage to throw away. Because mm -hmm. even if it's something that you would see as like commonplace and not a big deal. Um, that's going to be like those people that have collections of like vinyl albums or yeah. something like that. Like there's going mm. to be a point where they just, they don't exist in the wild. Yeah. So keep it. If you're in a studio where you have a mentor or there's some sort of lineage in your studio where they might have a box of old stuff in the back, archive it, save mm. it because it's going to have massive value one day. Maybe mm. not like financial value, but intrinsic value. This stuff is going to be crucially important to future generations. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. That just reminded me of those MySpace photos, actually eight gauge hand web, <laughs> hand web piercing as well. Yeah. yeah. And UFOs. What's a UFO? I think that's what Rook to Ford Helix. Oh wow. Uh, with a ring. Yeah. <laughs> On all the angles. Yeah. Perfect. There were all kinds of generations of stuff where, like, there was this. I hope I can find it one day because I, it, this is before I had 
a phone on my camera before mm. I even had a digital camera at all. Um, I did uh, a transverse lobe and a standard lobe and then both with rings and then they were kind of like both connected into a, a hanging spike and everything. <laughs> and it was just this really neat like, yes. you know, earlobe yeah. chandelier kind of thing. And <laughs> I hope I still have a, a physical photo of it somewhere because it was one mm. of my old time favorites. Yeah, oh, that's because in saying that too, I've st our suspension album is still on BME. Cool. Yeah, I looked it up recently and it's still there from when I first uploaded, or maybe not first uploaded, but one of the first uploads of um, photos of suspension stuff that I was super proud of that yeah. um, kept uploading to BME. I can remember the days. So when, when was the first time you went to Vegas for the APP conference? This year. Oh, <laughs> okay then. Yeah. Well, so I, I've been going most years since 2002. I think I've only missed one since 2002. Wow, yeah. And uh, there was a, a generation where it would, used to be at the, the Riviera Hotel, which mm -hmm. has since been torn down. Mm -hmm. the, the bar in that hotel was called the Splash Bar, and mm -hmm. it was just one of those smoky, dingy... Vegas hotel bars and everybody <laughs> yeah. would just hang out there and that was that was a point in the industry where again digital photos weren't weren't around uh, social media really wasn't around yet other than like I am and, and BME zine yeah. so people would bring their physical portfolios and then they would just hang out and they would you know smoke and drink and chat into the wee yeah. hours of the night and like passing around their physical portfolios and showing stuff off and talking and critiquing and sharing info and asking questions and it was such a such a cool time in my mind yeah and i'm really glad That's i cool. was there for it yeah and i think a lot of people might just look at it as like oh yeah it's the past and now everything's on mm. instagram and you can just swipe through or whatever but mm. i miss that that the crackly plastic yeah. sound <laughs> yes. and, and all that yeah. stuff like i miss yeah. i miss the physical yeah. media yeah it, it, having those convos i did last night just um after hours like it was it was great to share and and it did make me realize i'm like oh because sometimes i still feel like i've been doing this for five years you know sometimes it's 50 years sometimes it's five and but being around everyone here is definitely more like you know people don't have these stories there's there's probably only a handful of people here you know that have got these sort of stories and memories um that you know, I sometimes forget about because you're not actively sort of sharing these with anyone because no one knows what the hell you're talking about. Right. Do you know? So, yeah. but one thing I do like to do every so often um, is have a movie night at my house with all uh, suspension people that are keen and interested, both practitioners um, and people that we suspend, and we go through all old stuff, and I've even done a wee talk on the history of my suspension sort of upbringing, um, and we go through, because there's a lot of documentaries, I've done radio interviews, yeah. there's clips, photos, all sorts of media that I've kept, um, one thing I did keep, um, was all of this, all of this sort of stuff, and just going through it all because everyone sees me now. Yeah. Like a lot of these people are new as well, so they all just see what I do now, and I'm like, well, wait till you see what where we've come from, and then we just start from 15 years ago, and then work our way up, and it's yeah. it's good. We'll probably probably do it again when Matt comes over because that's um, we did it last time when he was here as well. Cool. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'll hear piercers, the, the piercers who were exposed to like. Gauntlet info, PFIQ info in, in like the early stages of their career. Um, I know that Jim Ward recently uh, published the the old Pierce with a Pro videos online mm -hmm. and they're just available for on-demand viewing now. And yeah. those were so influential for me in like that 90s era where it's yeah. like you had to glean little, little bits of information from like the back of a magazine or maybe if you were lucky enough to see a video where a piercing was being performed and you had to like scour it for every little detail and try to like fold that into what you were you know, probably recklessly experimenting with you know 
And like yeah. piercers, piercers now, I don't want to make it like a kids these days youth kind of thing. <laughs> I think it's I think it's more yeah. like just how disposable social media is. Yeah, you make a post and then a day later you completely forget about the post. Yeah. Um, but like the the physical media to be able to go back and see the documentation, but to also kind of feel a little bit sad that people aren't going to have. From let's say maybe like 2010 forward, there's not mm. going to be the same kind of documentation because it's just going to be lost somewhere in the ether of the internet. Yeah, um, yeah. I love those people that maybe, you know, do those uh, print your Instagram page books. Like go through yeah. and just print out like some of your some of your portfolio stuff and have a physical copy of something because someday you're going to want to be nostalgic and go back and yeah. look or you know show it to mm. somebody that you're that you're talking with, that you're friends with, that you're mentoring or something and be like, mm. oh yeah, this is what today is, but like, let's take a look at yesterday yeah. and see what that was too. Yeah, one thing I've kept actually um, was two pierces, three three pierces before me at the studio, the old owner actually, uh, his protocols um, for piercing and it's a, it's a page and a half long, but I've kept that because uh, it was part of a little ring binder that he kept for different, just, little things like cannulas versus blades yeah. and just stuff like that and then it's got their specific um or his at the time protocol that we keep in because uh, it's, it's a good read cool. like it's it's interesting to see where we've come yeah know? it's good yeah mm. uh one day i would like to maybe do something similar for you know because i i also do a fair amount of scarification or at least i have over yeah. my career mm. and i found um this old research book that I used to use on BME where I would take notes that I would, little bits of information that I would steal from other people's pages and, I'd, um, and with scarification I have this chart where I was researching all the different kinds of anesthetic that I thought might be like usable for, for, for scarification. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, you know, like these are the benefits and these are the drawbacks of all these different products and then eventually bringing me to the, the product that I still use today, like the, you know, the blue gel. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was nice to be able to like find that physical thing and, and connect to an earlier part of my career and just yeah. be like, oh, it's, that's some nice nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I really, um, I, I enjoy that, you know, like I love where I'm at now. Like I really love, the direction and things that I'm doing and some of the leadership roles I'm taking and especially with suspension and where I'm taking that and where I'm excited to hopefully where suspension's going to go but it's also nice to go back and just be like oh, man yeah what a, what a wild wild west that was yeah and I think it can yeah. really help the future generations too because mm. again going back to the the start of the conversation mm. the the pressure that people feel where they don't feel like it's okay to experiment or if they're experimenting they're trying to do it like so privately where they they're they're not even getting the input and the feedback and all that stuff so yeah. it's great to be able to humanize mm. yourself that's a good word yeah yeah mm -hmm. and, and just be like look the, this this is what we grew from and mm -hmm. it's like you will grow and like i'm i'm really excited to see where piercing will go like the people that you know you and i have met at this conference for the first time if they're mm -hmm. within the first few years of their industry like i had to kind of say it out loud in the panel talk like you people out in the audience, you're the ones who will be the future board members and mm -hmm. instructors and industry leaders and, and all that stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, don't forget about today and then like mm -hmm. where you're going to grow from from there because it's, it's a journey for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that, I mean, I'm, people that know me well know that I love teaching, I love mentoring and I love leadership roles. I love taking charge uh, and... I love, like I've been helping a few people recently up their game and and that sort of, like I'm very, 
open with that sort of thing and I really welcome that sort of thing and I tell you what it's been I had a really um, a really awesome person Casey come up uh, from Queenstown and did some shadowing I was really worried at first because I was like man what am I going to talk about for three days uh, there was no concern whatsoever once she was there we got we got to talking and it was great and it's good seeing that passion because it reignites your passion yeah as well especially being so isolated from the rest of the world i don't have a studio i can just go guest at to see my friends because they're, they're on another island and usually it's so small no one really needs a guest artist do you know um but having having them come up was amazing and then at the end of it just supercharged like they were supercharged i was supercharged you know so and then again being in Vegas, you go back home and you're just ready to ready to crack on, and then being here, even more so here almost, I think, um, because there's quite a lot of one to five year pieces here, so there's a lot of passion about, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people keen to learn, so there's a lot of conversations to be had, and it's it's really charging, and it's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's, I think, probably one of the greatest legacies of uh, Shannon and Rachel, mm -hmm. uh, that, that BME, time you know like i'm so i'm so fortunate i'm so appreciative that i got to be in, included in that community mm -hmm. because it's um it's it's about sharing and it's about everybody kind of growing together and i think people like you who are mm -hmm. so generous with their time and their knowledge and um are, are trying to help not in an ego sense but in like a sharing sense mm -hmm. like that's really important and I, I see that as like again you as being like a BME type person because mm. that's I think where a lot of that mentality has come from in the industry. It's like yeah. somebody helped you grow, somebody helped me grow, oh, mm. and it's your responsibility to help the next generation grow. That, that's exactly, that's the, that hit the nail on the head and that's exactly my attitude with this and why I'm so forthcoming with that. It, pay it forward. Yeah. Like the, the people talk, like if Alan and Hover, when I reached out to them 15 plus years ago, had blocked me, told me to piss off, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. So that's that's all it is, you know, and you're right, it is a respect thing as well, I think, a respect for the industry and what we've learned, that yeah, there's a responsibility there to safely pass this information on to people, yeah. or else how do we evolve, you right. know? Right, yeah. yeah, and you know, there's the side of it too, where you don't want this to all be lost knowledge and a lost yeah. art. I don't want people to have to rediscover scarification piercing suspension 20 mm. years from now and have to start at zero yeah. and have people's life's life's work mm. just be gone like yeah. that needs to be shared generation yeah. to generation yeah absolutely and i'm very big on or have been at least in the well actually no forever but more so refined in the last couple of years especially with suspension i just think we can do so good with it that i'm very passionate on documentation very passionate on protocols and refining what we know and just getting better we don't need to keep reinventing the wheel you know there are other industries now that i reach out to that we can learn a lot from where i'm adapting and trying to push us push us forward mm -hmm. which i'm really excited for um but it's hard again being in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm because it's hard to attend things and in fairness there haven't been a lot a lot of things to attend but um really trying to still stay relevant and involved and yeah. helping and and what have you but that's something i'm very passionate about yeah, yeah. well yeah. it's great that there's the you know this organization this conference this opportunity to share information mm. um 
I think this is probably a good place to, to wind it down. Mm. So what what would you want to give people for your, your contact info? Website for piercing, for suspension, for getting yeah. in touch with you? So um, eden-thompson.com is my website. That's where you'll see all of our or my suspension work. Um, there's also Edelbugs is my Instagram, um, childhood nickname. <laughs> and uh, there's the shop page as well, Absolution Body Piercing and Tattoo. Uh, anyone can reach out to me there and yeah I think that's that's it yeah great well I appreciate you taking the time thank you so much all right thanks for talking to me Eden it's always really nice to get a, a window into that world of suspension because as a body piercer as a scarification practitioner I'm just one step outside of that sphere. I know plenty of people that are connected to suspension teams and connected to the suspension world but I'm not part of it, so uh, I, I like getting glimpses into it, I like learning about new things, and I, I like seeing the difference between good and, and really good. And Eden is one of those people who's really good at suspension, so I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Uh, just as a reminder, I have a new uh, seminar that's open for registration now on Sunday, January 28th, 2024. You can get all the info and sign up at ryanpba.com. And I'll be back with another episode soon. I have a, a cool Q&A episode that I recorded with Lola, and that one's probably going to be up next. So stay tuned for more. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.